Good morning. I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. Duarte Geraldino is out today. Wednesday night was a sleepless one for many people across the country. Protests erupted in many cities, with thousands of demonstrators taking to the streets in New York City, D.C., Chicago, L.A., Oakland. And despite a curfew in Louisville, Kentucky, hundreds of people came out to express anger and dismay after a grand jury there indicted just one of the three officers involved in the fatal shooting of 26-year-old Breonna Taylor six months ago. Two Louisville police officers were shot last night. They're both in recovery, and a suspect is in police custody. Dozens more people were arrested at protests there. The demonstration in downtown Louisville started literally within minutes of the grand jury's indictment on Wednesday afternoon. I know that not everyone will be satisfied with the charges we've reported today. My team set out to investigate the circumstances surrounding Ms. Taylor's death. We did it with a singular goal in mind— pursuing the truth. Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron announced former detective Brett Hankison has been charged with wanton endangerment, which means the grand jury found that he acted with, quote, extreme indifference to the value of human life and created substantial danger of death or serious physical injury to another person. But the human life in danger here is not referring to Breonna Taylor. Hankison is being charged with endangering her neighbors, because his shots traveled through the walls. That means the grand jury determined none of the officers are criminally liable for Breonna Taylor's death. The decision before my office as the special prosecutor in this case was not to decide if the loss of Ms. Taylor's life was a tragedy. The answer to that question is unequivocally yes. There is no doubt that this is a gut-wrenching emotional case, and the pain that many people are feeling is understandable. An attorney for Breonna Taylor's family, Ben Crump, called the charges outrageous and offensive. Here he is speaking on CNN. It underscores the fact that there are two justice systems in America, one for Black America and one for white America. A local paper, the Louisville Courier-Journal, examines Hankison's record with the police force and his actions in this case. Before he joined the Louisville force in 2003, he worked for the Lexington Police Department. And when he resigned there in 2002, his supervisor recommended against rehiring him in the future, saying he violated orders and had a poor attitude. During Hankison's time with the Louisville force, he had a mixed record. According to his personnel file, he was investigated at least three times, once for failing to call for emergency help after believing someone had ingested cocaine. The Courier-Journal reports he's also been accused of sexual assault by multiple women. He was investigated by the police department for at least two of these accusations, and he was cleared. But the allegations are now being reviewed by other agencies, including the state attorney general's office. After the death of Breonna Taylor, where officers opened fire and killed her in her home, Hankison was fired from the Louisville Metro Police Department. The police chief called his actions that night a shock to the conscience. However, Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron said the two other officers, the ones who were not charged, were justified because they were returning deadly fire. Now, if convicted, Hankison could serve up to 15 years in prison. 
he might be eligible for home release if he meets certain conditions. But as of now, no one has been held accountable for the death of Breonna Taylor. At a press briefing yesterday, a reporter asked President Trump if he would commit to a peaceful transfer of power if he loses the election in November. Here's how the president responded. Well, we're going to have to see what happens. You know that I've been complaining very strongly about the ballots, and the ballots are a disaster. I and, understand that, but and, people are rioting. Do you commit oh, to making sure that there's a no, peaceful wanna, transfer of power? We want to have get rid of the ballots, and you'll have a very trans. We'll have a very peaceful. There won't be a transfer, frankly. There'll be a continuation. Uh, the ballots are out of control. You know it. And you know who knows it better than anybody else? The Democrats know it better than anybody else. Go ahead. As you can hear, the president did not commit to a peaceful transition if he loses. He instead referred to unsubstantiated claims that mail-in voting leads to voter fraud. Trump's comments raise a lot of questions, and many of them journalist Barton Gelman grapples with in the latest cover story for The Atlantic magazine. To be honest, reading this analysis gave me serious agita. But given what the president is saying, it's extremely worthwhile to think through what would happen in the event that we do not know who won the election on election night. The scenario that Gelman and other pundits anticipate is one where Trump leads in in in-person voting on election day. But in the days that follow, as mail-in ballots are counted, they're likely to skew Democratic. Analysts are calling this the red mirage or the blue shift. While Democrats insist on counting every ballot, even if it takes weeks, the Trump campaign is likely to launch legal challenges. So we could be in for a long process. December 8th is the deadline for states to appoint their electors to the Electoral College. Traditionally, electors are picked based on which candidate wins the popular vote in that state. But what if the popular vote isn't fully counted by December 8th? Gelman says in that case, state legislatures could go ahead and choose their own electors, regardless of which candidate has the most votes. And in case you're wondering, yes, that is legal. It's spelled out in Article 2 of the Constitution, and it was reaffirmed by the Supreme Court in Bush v. Gore in 2000. According to Gelman, this is more than just an exercise in worst-case hypotheticals. He has one local Republican leader on the record, Lawrence Tabas, who is the party's chairman in Pennsylvania. And he says he and his colleagues are having conversations among themselves about appointing pro-Trump electors if they feel the vote tally can't be trusted. Gelman quotes one legal scholar who says, Our Constitution does not secure the peaceful transition of power, but rather presupposes it. And he says it's on all of us, whether we're journalists, election administrators, politicians, or ordinary citizens, to make sure we're well-informed and to pay attention to what could be a real test of our democracy this November. In 2015, a piece of metal junk was hurling toward the International Space Station. It was about the size of a dinner plate, but if it hit, it would destroy the station and potentially kill the astronauts on board. Luckily, it missed by a mile and a half, which is a relatively small distance in the scheme of space. The New Yorker has a really interesting story about all of the junk in space. From the Big Bang until 1957, so for about 14 billion years, space was unlittered. It was pristine. But ever since humans ventured into space, we started filling it with junk. 
I'm talking about defunct satellites, bolts, bits of metal, tools, and yes, septic waste from space missions. Now here's the problem. These pieces of debris tend to crash into one another. And when that happens, it creates more, even smaller pieces of debris. And all of those objects are moving fast. If they hit, let's say, a satellite or a space station, they can create a real amount of damage. In some cases, these pieces of space junk can even crash into Earth. There's one well-respected theory that space junk collisions could cause a chain reaction and ultimately destroy all of the satellites that orbit our planet. And if our satellites go out, so do GPS and all of the other vital communication systems we rely on. Cleaning up space is pretty hard. You can't just vacuum up your space litter. So now a new kind of space race is on to develop technologies to clean up our mess. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. I'll talk with you again tomorrow.